Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 305, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, and as usual, I'm joined by the Duck Kirk Bowles. Duck, a great guest on today's pod. It's been a minute since the pod. It's been a minute, so we had to come back swinging for the fences, and we homered into the Crawford boxes because we got Sam Connor, the athletic, joining us what's up sam i appreciate the crawford box reference that's 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 <laughs> very much appreciate appreciate it from this longtime 713 resident yes sir yes sir <laughs> uh, you're mr houston so what a crazy <laughs> summer this has been hasn't it i mean <sighs> we've had some crazy ones but they seem to get crazier every summer so give us just give us your general thoughts on realignment and do you think it's kind of settled down for a while uh, I'll, I'll start with, I'm glad I got my vacations out early, out of the way early this year. Smart man. Uh, and, and the last two summers taught me to do that, <laughs> not, to, not to keep, not to save all your vacation time for July. Uh, so I'm glad I did that, but yeah, I, I think the major moves are settled for now. Obviously we still need to see what happens to the four teams left in the pac 12 uh, Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State, and, and I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens there. But I think once we get a resolution with those schools, then I think it is going to settle down for a little while because the the SEC's deal runs for several more years. The Big Ten's deal runs for several more years. Obviously, the uh, Big 12, I think, runs through 2031. So that that that's going to put us in a spot where, of course, the ACC's current rights is not up till 2036. So, uh <laughs> That's going to put us in a spot where I think maybe for a few years we'll it'll calm down a little bit because everyone else is going to be locked into their TV deals. And and I don't know that there's any other natural moves to make. I guess the only other exception could be can Florida State and, and enough of those schools in the ACC rattle the cage enough and find a way out of that grant of rights. I guess that's the only next major move I could see happening uh, in, in the foreseeable future. But until then, I think the, the way the TV contracts stu- stru- structured in their length, I, I don't think we're going to see anything major uh, in the next year. But it's conference realignment. It's crazy. So who, who knows? Man, um, just just a an incredible fall for the Pac-12. West Coast football is not dead, but 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 that conference is is like just a a wasteland and who would have thought that just a decade or so ago when the big 12 was on the ropes and the big 12 was thinking about going to the pac 12 and here we are with the big 12 fortifying and the pac 12 
you know, Stanford and 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 what's the other one? They're hanging on by a thread, trying to yeah. get Cal. trying to get to the ACC, the blue blood academic schools, trying to get to the ACC. Um, how shocked were you to see the Pac-12 go away in such rapid fashion? Yeah, I was. Uh, and, and the thing is, I shouldn't be because we all saw this happen 29 years ago to the Southwest Conference. Mm-hmm. The, the, the exact same forces are at play. It's it's TV contracts. It's television inventory. And it, it breaks my heart because I, I still miss the Southwest Conference. And I, I still miss having those regional schools together. And I understand that why that, why that happened and why that fell apart in the Big 12 form. And I understand the reasons why the Pac-12 fell apart and, and why Oregon and Washington went to the Big 10 and the four corner schools came to the Big 12. But it still doesn't make sense to me because th- to me, it, it is completely disruptive to the fabric of the sport and the soul of the sport, which is regionality and rivalries. And you've essentially dismantled a power conference for TV revenue. That's essentially what we have done. For the money. For yeah, the money. It's, it's really for no other reason. Because, because if the Pac-12 had been able to get an offer, you know, 30, well, I guess they did get an offer and then they <laughs> turned it down initially. But right. had, had they been able to get another offer here in the last two, three months that would have matched or exceeded Big 12 money, which essentially seven, six, of, six of those schools are going to get, then we would still have the conference together. And that's the whole reason that we broke it up. So I was very much, even though we had this conversation for the last year and we knew that this was a possibility, I was still very much in the camp of, I'll believe it when I see it, of the Pac-12 dying and those schools leaving. But it happened. And, and I will say, to answer your question, said I am really shocked that it actually happened and that we actually followed through with this. And it makes me wonder about the future of college football long term. Yeah, it has to. I mean, you touched on it, Sam. It's, you know, college, these conferences are about uh, regionalism and rivalries. And and all those are just being disrupted and going away. I mean, it's so hard to believe that, you know, I mean, the last two years, 10 Power 5 schools have changed conferences. That's that's like a, a sixth of all the Power 5 conferences. And so... I don't know, from, from what you're hearing and what you're hearing and writing at The Athletic, I mean, do you think the four Pac-12 schools remaining will join with the Mountain West? Or what do you think their best option is right now to just try to to hang on and get some semblance of stability? Yeah, I, th- I think it's – what are the options, right? That, that's the thing. Is like – Yeah. Would, would, they, would they like to – I think some there's some of them I think would like to reconstitute the Pac-12 and and backfill from there, but that's hard because the Mountain West, in order for those schools to leave, they're having to pay exorbitant exit fees. You know, I think right. 34 million I think is the, they don't have the tune power, of what we're right. talking about. They don't have and they th- those are not those are not schools that have that revenue. So so then do you go? So if you're Oregon State and Washington State, do you go to the Mountain West? Obviously, Stanford and Cal are holding out for this AC, ACC thing, which seems to be losing momentum as really? time passes. Right. Uh, you know, is the American an option? Uh, you know, a potential merger with the American. Certainly, Mike Oresco is uh, open to it, and, and they're mm-hmm. going to try to be aggressive with it. 
But is that what those schools in the Pac-12 that remain, is that what they want? I, I don't know. And that and that's that's the thing is that the presidents and the leadership at those schools are going to have to make those calls. But the, the, the bottom line is there's no easy answers for any of them because mm-hmm. none of those – certainly the Mountain West is the makes the most sense geographically, but you're talking a massive revenue hit. So last year, those four schools in the Pac-12, if you include media rights – distribution and conference distribution instead of like championship distributions, they were hovering in that 38 to $40 million range of what they got from the conference. You know what the mountain West schools were getting between like six and 8 million a year. And so if you end up going to the mountain West, certainly that number is going to come up for the mountain West schools, but it's going to be a massive, massive financial hit for those PAC 12 schools. And that's, that's what's at stake for these schools right now is, is, massive financial losses. That's why it leaves those four schools out in the cold so badly. And Oregon state just built a new stadium, you know, and you got mm-hmm. these, you know, big coaching salary contract. So it's who you talk about a rock and a hard spot. And, and it, like you said, it doesn't look like the ACC wants Stanford or Cal because, you know, quite frankly, I mean, you get that time zone, but everybody in the West what, coast, what, they want to watch, do they want to watch ACC football. No, they want to watch Big Ten and SEC. About, and you're talking, you mentioned one time zone. What about the kids that got to fly across the country? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's a whole other issue that everybody's overlooking. These Round schools. trip for a basketball game, really? Oh. Mm-hmm. Or for one day of a football game? I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, you know, you know I haven't heard that. With. I heard said that they were talking about USC and UCLA were talking about chartering the planes together for basketball. Like maybe those two teams go east for, you know, play four games or something, you know, before they go back home. But hey, they're not in the classroom then. So it makes just a, a lot, lot of sense. sense. And they're going to have to figure some things out. And uh, hopefully USC and UCLA, are we talking about basketball or football or both? Well, basketball, you, know, football say, you can't get UCLA and USC football no. on the same plane because then they'd have to fly Spirit Airlines because there's a <laughs> brawl. <laughs> Those basketball players, they get along a lot better than football players, that's for sure. But my, my thing is this. It used to be about the kids. It stopped being about the kids a long time ago. And good for the kids that they're getting money now. For NIL because they're they're still small pawns on a massive chessboard, and the people calling the shots are no longer the athletic directors. It's the TV executives, man. Mm-hmm. They've got the check. The athletic directors got to agree to stuff, but they got them by the short curlies, man. They do, and and that's that's the problem. That's the problem with where we are is because there's no central authority figure that has looked out for the greater good of the sport. And for college athletics as a whole. And so what you have is conference commissioners looking out for their own leagues. And and you have TV TV executives looking out for what's going to get the most money. And this is what you end up with is you end up with this mishmash of schools with awkward geographic fits. And the consequences, like you guys said, reverberate far beyond football. Like football will be okay. Because you're not talking, you're talking four to five road trips a year, but it's those other sports that are impacted by this. And when I talk about that budget part for like Oregon State and Washington State, 
those that forty million dollars they get from the Pac twelve, that's half of their athletic budget. Yeah. That, their their athletic budgets are eighty in the eighty five million dollar range. So if that drops thirty million, what's gonna happen to those other sports? What's gonna happen to right. the, some of those non football sports? They'll go away. Yeah. And if you, and if you and gotta, get rid of a men's sport or if you get rid of a women's sport, Title IX is going to demand you get rid of a men. That, that's got to stay even. So mm-hmm. what gets hurt in the end? There's going to have some young athletes um, not being able to play at a Power 5 school because uh, school got in over its head and had to, had to pay too much money to get out of its deal. It's just chaos. And like you said, I mean, it's going to be interesting what's going to happen academically. Are we going to have more kids flunking out? You know, what about the, you know, mental health? That's such a big issue now uh, on the college level. How is that going to improve with, you know, the stress of living up to NIL deals, traveling across the country, getting uh, Zoom calls for your classes? It, it's just chaos right now. So, but let's talk about some football because we're getting close. We're within <laughs> two weeks. And uh, he is the tech spurt for those been... <laughs> He's called the tech spurt at the athletic. <laughs> they don't throw around nicknames <laughs> loosely at the athletic. I know. I pay nine bucks a month. Or... So wow. I, know. I know. So he we is our subscribers. So we're going to call him. We appreciate that. What uh well what you you've been here on, on campus here at Austin a couple of times, Sam. What what is your expectation? You saw where they came out twelfth and eleventh in the coaches poll and the AP poll. Is that about accurate? Would you have had them higher or lower? Yeah, I think that's fine. I think somewhere in the top fifteen is totally fine because I still do think there's a they've got to prove it element to this team. Uh but everything lines up. Uh, you you look at the talent on hand, the talent they've recruited. And in particular, I think you look at the way the roster has been constructed. When I look at the last two classes, how many offensive and defensive linemen they've signed and how good they are on the line of scrimmage, which even you talk to other coaches in the Big 12, they'll tell you that's where it's different for Texas this year. It's on the line of scrimmage. They look a lot better there than they have in quite some time. Uh, They just got to do it. And I think it ultimately comes down to if – it comes down to me, Sark, and it comes down to Quinn. And, and if those two guys can deliver, then they're in good shape. But to me, if I if you're a Texas fan, I think anything less than 10 wins and getting into the Big 12 title game would be a disappointment to me. Oh, yeah. man, and that brings me to my guy. <laughs> my guy. My best friend. My brother. Where are you That's going? Where are you going? Arms. Number seven. In his preseason polls, Sam. Adam Seven. <laughs> big things. I, I was buying Number the hype. It doesn't was... sound like a nine-win team to me. <laughs> sounds like a 10 or an 11. Well, they should win the Big 12. I mean, like Sam said, it's it's, it's make or break for Sam and Quinn, Sark and, and Quinn, and they just got to do it. It's been since 09 since they won a conference. This is their last not that long ago. That's not that long ago. 09. Wow. So – I don't know if, if uh, is there any concerns you have that when you look at this Texas roster or their schedule, Sam, or do you, you know, because the the Big Twelve has been diluted a little bit. I mean, we got four teams in it. I think uh, K State and TCU are what sixteen, seventeen OU's in the twenties there, but it looks like a nice path for them, doesn't it? It does. The schedule sets up really, really well. 
I mean, I think you do have to have a lot of respect for K-State because they won the league and they bring back their starting quarterback and their entire offensive line. So that's a really good place to start for the defending champs. But no the schedule, other, the other schedule sets up well. And, and Texas has beat K-State the last two years, even in its weekend form. When they were 5-7, and seven, they beat K-State. Uh, they beat K-State in on the road last year. So if you're a better team this year, that's a game you should win if you're Texas. Ultimately, what I think this year comes down to for them is not dropping one of those games that they typically do, the ones that you're favored to win, that you have more talent on the roster than, and ultimately you find yourself messing yeah. up and making that's mistakes out of stretch and, and <laughs> dropping a game that you should not. Yeah, they cannot do that this year. That is that is not going to cut it this year. If you lose to Alabama, okay, you know that's fine. It's it's in Tuscaloosa. It's a hundred thousand mm-hmm. crazy fans and Brian Denny. I get that if that happens, but every other game, you probably should be favored if you're Texas, and so that's why I say I think anything less than ten wins, I think, is a disappointment for this team. And so, when to answer your question about roster concerns, I have no roster concerns on on this team. I think. The the concerns I have is, and and you hear Sark talk about it he, that he feels good about where the leadership is. Um, I think that would be my biggest question because Roshan was such an alpha in this locker room. Uh, Bijan obviously meant a lot. Uh, you know who are those guys? Who are those guys going to be this year? That when when you get into those tough games and you get into those rock fights, who are going to be those guys that are holding holding guys to a standard, holding guys accountable? And, and playing every play like it's supposed to be played. And, and as long as they have that from a personnel standpoint, this is, in my opinion, the best roster in the Big 12. Can Sark answer the bell? Can a 13-12 and 12 coach who's – I don't think he's ever had a 10-win season. 9-4 and four is his best year. Can, can he answer the bell with arguably the most talented roster he's ever had as a head coach? Can he answer the bell and quiet those critics like Bowles who question whether or not to get it done? You're projecting, though. You're projecting a Big 12 title. You're not calling one. Well, you you don't pick anybody for the Big 12, anybody else, are you? Are you picking somebody else, said for the Big 12 title? I may take the field, yes. Oh, okay. Well, he got what thirty six teams. That's way out in the limb. He picked a team. Come on, I, Sam and I said I Texas. Think, I think Kansas State has a good chance to repeat. Well, they do. And they Baylor do. is up, down, and they're due for an up year under Aranda. Yeah, yeah. And and Sam, you're out there in Lubbock. Expectations high for Tech. Were they when their last four in their bowl game last year? Yeah, yeah, so, they're 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 very high up here in Lubbock right now. Yeah, and TCU, know. do you expect a fall off? Yeah, I think I think they have to. Uh, it, there's too much production loss and too many heart and soul guys lost. It wasn't just the production; it's that they lost Duggan, who has been their multi-year starter, Kendra Miller, multi-year starter, D. Winters, multi-year starter, Steve Avila, Quentin yeah. Johnston. I mean, these are heart and soul guys on that team. That is hard to replace, but they did do a good job of reloading in the portal. I do like certainly Chandler Morris is still there, quarterback. Uh, I like getting John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State. I think he's going to have a huge year at inside receiver for them. Trey Sanders 
coming uh, from uh, the SEC at running back. I think that's going to be a big addition for them. Uh, they do bring back seven starters on defense, and, and Joe Gillespie going into year two of his scheme there, they should be better on defense, mm-hmm. you would think. So they, TCU is a sneaky team to me. Like, I, I don't anticipate them being back in the Big 12 championship game, but yeah. it would not completely shock me if they found themselves back in it. And don't overlook the Sonny Dykes factor. Mm-hmm. Coach. Yeah. Hell of a coach. Hell of a coach. Yeah. First Texas team to get in the CFP, you know, from the state of Texas. So, uh, one, one team you haven't talked about and you haven't brought up, there's this little team down southeast part of the state called, uh, what's, uh, let me look. Hold on. Oh, the Houston Cougars. <laughs> uh, in the Big 12, the, in the prime time, what, what's your expectations of your alma mater? I think it's going to be a challenge this year because just like all the other newcomers in this league, they have not been recruiting a Big 12 roster. They have recruited better these last two years. Like the high school recruiting has gone up. They're starting to land more four-star guys. They're starting to beat Power 5 teams for for high school guys. And I thought the way they portaled this offseason was really good. Donovan Smith getting him from Texas Tech was a good move at quarterback. David Weibu from Oklahoma, the edge rusher, thought it was a great addition for him uh, for that defense. They're getting a lot of guys with power five experience on the roster. I don't have questions about Houston's first 22. It's that next group. It's that bottom half, bottom two thirds of the roster. Is that going to be, is that depth going to be quality enough that when you get into week eight, week nine, week 10, that they can win big 12 football games. And I think, I think it's going to be hard for them this first year. Uh, I do think Dana's a good coach, and I think he's done a good job steering that program. But I think making a bowl game this year would be a very good accomplishment for Houston. I think with this schedule, because this schedule, this is not playing Tulane. This is not playing East Carolina. I mean, they're they're playing uh, Texas. They're playing Kansas State. They're playing, of course, West Virginia, who's uh, that that one's going to be a Thursday nighter in Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a fun one for Dana. They've got TCU, they've got Oklahoma State, they've got Baylor, and these are all programs that have been recruiting at a Big Twelve at a Power Five level for a long time, and that that is going to make it an uphill battle, I think, this first year for Houston. Over under on them wins is I think is like five, four and yeah. a half. Yeah, Vegas yeah, doesn't yeah. Vegas doesn't expect them to be in a bowl game, so um, they just got they, they fall off overtime. Like yeah, if they fall off like this, is Dana in trouble? I think if they only win, if they go under that four and a half, I would certainly keep an eye on the situation there because they've had one really strong season under him. They, they've won 20 games in the last two years, yes. But last year they went eight and five. They were expected to be a New Year six contender out of the group of five last year. And they ended up losing a game in overtime to Tech that they you know, had a chance to win. Uh, they they barely survived UTSA. They barely survived Rice. They got hammered at home by Kansas. They lost the close one to Tulane at home. Uh, of course, Tulane ended up being a lot better than we realized. They lost one to Tulsa at the end of the year that they probably should have won. That, they, that left, I think, a bad taste in the, in the mouth of the fan base there because last year was supposed to be another double-digit win season, a 10-win year. Maybe you go, maybe you run the table. Maybe you go to the New Year's Six. And they lost some momentum in that. So I think right now you look at it, he had one great season. 
He had last season that was a little bit disappointing, and then you had two rough seasons to start. I think if you if you go four and eight this year, you look at the tenure over five years, what have you really accomplished? I think it's yeah. a valid question to ask. Yeah. You know what's going to be interesting too, guys, is that you know they finally got what they wanted. They're in a Power Five conference, and we all know what a recruiting hotbed Houston is. And it's like you know they're going to you know be a factor, and they're going to have an impact on that. So, and you know, again, that's obviously rich for LSU, A and M, Texas. You can just go down the list of big time schools. How much success do you think they'll have in luring, you know, some four or five star? players to stay home and, and, and go to Houston. They've done, they've done a decent job of it uh, in, in these last two classes. Uh, you know, Matthew Golden, Parker Jenkins, uh, guys like that, Jonah Wilson. They, they've gotten some really, uh, some really highly ranked guys in these last two classes. They've got to just do it at a higher clip. I, I don't think they're going to be at a place, even in the Big 12, where they're going to consistently be. Mm-hmm. Texas is and Texas A&M's and LSU's and Oklahoma. That's just those schools are in a different stratosphere. I, I don't think you're ever going to reach that point. But if you can, right now they're kind of been in the 50s nationally in the recruiting ranking, whereas before they were in like the 70s. If they can get into the top 40 more consistently, top 30 more consistently, then I think you're cooking. Then I think you're working with something. And and here I'll say this about that about your question. Tom Herman showed, I think it could be done. Yeah, they exactly. they signed a top thirty class in his first year there, and that was the class that had Ed Oliver. That was the class that had Derek King. Uh, that that was that was a group that was really special, and that showed, I think, what the feeling is there. If you get the right setup and the right guy and everything, that you can recruit at a top 30, 35 level mm-hmm. nationally there. But it, it, I think you're never going to be able to keep the blue buds out and beat them all. But if you can just nab one, you know, big four, one big five star, or a handful of you know good four stars a year, yeah, and then you're starting, then you're starting to build a roster. And then also, uh, certainly under the current staff, they're always going to be a team that that goes portal. Like Dana's always going to go find guys, bounce back guys, and that's where it is. Okay, if you miss on him coming out of high school. Well, in two years, if he's not playing and he's not happy, let's bring him back home to Houston. Let's get him here where he can play for us. And you can go have fun in the SEC or the Big Ten, and after you rode the pine for a year, year and a half, and you want to come back home, come on back home. And I think that's kind of their strategy. Is like they'll try to get as many of those high school guys as they can, and the ones they don't get, uh, you plug them with Portal, and hopefully there are a lot of bounce back. Well, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Who do you have in the Big 12 championship game? Texas and K-State. I, I like I like the teams that are built best in the trenches, which those two, with both of them returning their all-offensive lines and starting quarterbacks, I think that's a great place to be. And so I, I think Kleiman's got K-State going in the right direction. Uh, and, and like we just talked about earlier with, with Texas, everything is there. There's really no – I even asked Sarkeesian the very first – uh, press conference here right before training camp. What's standing in the way of you guys accomplishing your goals? And he said, what's standing in the way is us. We haven't done it. You just got to get it world. done. Gotta That's do it. it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, don't Who do you got? Much time. Go ahead. Oh, I got the same too. I got Texas, K-State. Why are y'all so chalky? They're the <laughs> teams. All right, go ahead and pick Bakers, then. I got Texas and K-State. Huh. <laughs> but not because I'm chalky. I just want to be right. 
Oh, okay. We'd love to be right once in a while. I want to be you? right. If Texas makes it, I, I am not going. I ain't uh, picking against them if they get if they get to Jerry World. I won't pick against them. But I got them in nine and three. I don't have. Yeah, them. I don't have them at ten and two. Well, you got them at ten and two, Sam. Yeah, I got them ten and two, and and making the Big Twelve championship game for sure. Yeah. And, so, and before- so, what's your favorite flavor? Is it Tropical Punch or Gray? <laughs> or, I was always a Tropical Punch fan, and uh, Doug drinks all flavors in the spring. I mean, love <laughs> that late in the spring. Try to keep it. He'll be ripping them in a month. He'll be ripping. Them in a month. <laughs> And then in the SEC, I'm sure you have what Georgia A and M in the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what do you see out of the Aggies? No, the the Aggies are so fascinating to me because yeah. they have a top ten roster, but yeah. is is Alex. the experiment going to work? Yeah, you know, is Jimbo going to really let Bobby Petrino run this offense? If he does. They could be one of the best offenses in the country. When you look at their quarterback, their skill talent, their return in offensive line, they legitimately have one of the best collections of offensive talent out there. They got to get better defensively. And and are they going to weed have they weeded out enough of those issues that they had last year in terms of discipline? They had a lot of discipline issues in that locker room last year. That 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 can get in the way as much as anything on. Yeah. Uh and that's on Jimbo. Jimbo's got to get that reined in. Uh, I'm not. I'm not too concerned. A lot of people have talked about Jimbo and Bobby Buttonheads. I'm not too concerned about that. To me, it's not about Buttonheads. It's about are you letting your guys do their jobs? If Jimbo lets his guys do their jobs, they can be really good. They can be. They could be a ten win team. But if you don't, and if if you're still trying to do everything you the way you did it last year or the way you did it ten years ago when you won a national championship. Yeah. This could be a team that wins, goes eight and four again, or even seven and five. I mean, the SEC is unforgiving. If they go seven and five, or or, or the or the big wigs that that got my former boss Kathleen McElroy a million bucks, will they uh, <laughs> will they pass the plate? Get Jimbo out of there. That's that's the what eighty two million dollar <laughs> question i don't know what the exact buyout is at this date i have actually have a, Kathleen got, yeah. i have a spreadsheet where i track how much that is every month i don't know what it is right now i'll pull that up but uh but that that's the question is are you willing to to buy him out i will say this the fact that texas is coming into the sec it helps and you. oklahoma's coming to the sec and it you guys know this when one between texas and texas a&m when one program is going up <laughs> the other one doesn't want to stay down very long. When when R.C. Slocum and they hit kind of a snag in the or late 90s, early 2000s, and Mac Brown had it going, yep. guess what? R.C. Slocum got put out the paint. And then when when Mac Brown started stagnating at Texas and Kevin Sumlin got a rock and roll in at Texas A&M, mm-hmm. what happened? You know, so I feel like that relationship dynamic between those two schools factors into those decisions. And – can they afford to? I mean, based on how much money AM spends on everything, sure, I would imagine they could afford to do it. It's they get a matter of what is, what is the level of urgency? And I just pulled it up here. If at the if they were to fire him on December first, twenty twenty three, they would owe him seventy seven point five million dollars. God, I need a job like that one. <laughs> we got in the wrong business, man. We are in the wrong business. Oh my god! I think I I really think if seven and five could get him fired. Eight and four, 
may have some eight, tough decisions. Eight and four is fascinating. What does eight yeah. and four look like? Who did you beat in eight and four? Well, you know, nine and three. three I think you're okay. You, slippery rock. You got those <laughs> cupcakes in there. They don't play them. They play Abilene Christian. So, yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, LSU's really kind of the talk of the town. Alabama's still – they're still Alabama, but they've got some question marks. Ole Miss looks pretty good, but uh, – They got Miami they week two of, on the road. That'll be an interesting game for them. And they go to Tennessee, I think. Uh, about they, they do go to Tennessee and on October 14th. Yeah. So eight and four is kind of who that's like, gonna be the toss-up. Yeah. They, it's they, probably they, a eight and four got given something an extension. So well, <laughs> like you say, who do you who do you lose to and, and, and all of that? You know, I think so, USC got Kevin right. an extension more than eight and four did. <laughs> Johnny got him an extension. Uh, <laughs> Do you have a Do you have a final That's four right. uh, for Sam that that you're projecting? That's a good question. I hadn't really thought much about it. I I, I uh, would say Georgia for sure. Uh, I think Georgia's yeah. in. I'll go with Ohio State because I feel like they're they're always and and, and I think they do a really good job reloading. Uh, and all their offensive skill talent is so good. I'm gonna say Clemson. I am really buying in on the combination of Kate Klubnick and Garrett Riley. I think they're going to be dynamite together. Uh, so I'll say Clemson, and I'll go USB. I think I think that defense finally gets a little bit better, and Lincoln gets them to the playoffs. So I'll say Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, USC. Well, USC's got a boy. I know, like their last four or five games, they got you know Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, a bunch of them on the road. So uh, UCLA. So I'm trying to discredit uh, Sam. We're trying to discredit him. He's got a great – that's a great <laughs> I've got USC in my final four, so stop hating. Stop yeah, hating. yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Notre, Notre Dame 13, Utah 14, and they get Cal, Washington, who's 10th, and Oregon 15. That, that October, that last six-week stretch, and they close out with UCLA. That Ooh. last six-week stretch is a bear. Well, they win that. But they, they got the Heisman winner, though. They got Caleb they Williams, and, and uh, they, they almost – they almost made the playoff with as bad as that defense was. They almost made it last year. Like that, I, I think they'll get a little bit better defensively this year. Like I think, I think between you know, I think Alex Grinch will get them up a little bit better this year. And they don't have to be great; they just have to be acceptable. Yeah. That's it. Because yeah. offensively, they they're going to score points. They almost made the Final Four, but they also lost to Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. So <laughs> that margin for error is very small. So. Uh. Willie Fritz, hey, Willie Fritz, man, all props to that guy. He's got oh, them yeah. rocking and rolling. Talk about a great coach, underrated. So, and so, anything else that you want to throw out there that we should expect college football before we let you go? You, we touched on it very briefly, uh, but but as I'm sitting here in Lubbock, Texas right now, I'm really fascinated to watch year two at Texas Tech and Joey McGuire. Like, the hype train has been really full speed ahead. They got a really big game uh, week two of Oregon, so I'm curious to see that uh, how that plays out and 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 do they can they capitalize? Uh, overall, I want to enjoy this football season because so much is going to change after this year because yes. the, those conference moves are going to go into effect in 2024. The 12 team playoffs going to go to effect in 2024. And guess what, guys, in this Big 12 right now, this one year with Texas still in it and Houston coming in, we've got five former Southwest Conference schools here in the league. It's got a little old reunion. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing all these 
schools play against each other, this one 14 team big 12 uh, campaign. So I- I'm just going to soak it all in and, and hopefully enjoy what is a great uh, season. And guess what? When the national championship comes in January, you guys are coming to my town, coming to Houston. That's right. To Love, it. That's right. Love it. So, you, I'm excited. Baby? I'm excited about it. We're talking football. We're talking football, not just realignment. I love it. I love it. So, well, stay up, man, it's a pleasure. We'll get you back on during the season. Look forward to seeing you at some games. I'm sure you'll be at the you'll be at the uh, Texas U of H game. Um, yep. We'll see you there and um, down there. Maybe go to French's. Uh, yeah, that. let's go to Frenchy, baby. They go built a Frenchy. new location now. It's they got the old one out, and it's now down the street. It's still on Scott Street, but it's a little bit bigger, a little bit newer. That's okay. Doesn't have the same feel to it anymore, though. You know, we'll, we'll make we'll make sure and go during the daytime. Right. <laughs> I know the area. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, I love we appreciate it. it. And hey, guys, thanks for joining us this week. That's going to do it for episode three hundred four. Thanks to Sam Khan of the Athletic. Thanks to our producer, Chandler Hoffley, for the duck. Kirk Bowles, I'm Sad Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to One Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Sad and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.